Hello and good evening, everyone. Uh, Manu Acharya, and this is Genomics Kapshap. We are now on our 21st episode, and we have a very special guest. We have Michael O'Reilly, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Genomics Personalized Health. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very, very much for having me. Uh, it's, it's great that I think I managed to see you twice this year. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I hope that, uh, you know, maybe we can start from the very beginning for our viewers. Um, you know, how did you get into genomics? You got in genomics a long, long time ago. Um, I mean, similar to, to where uh, I am coming from, but I think maybe it would be helpful to understand, you know, how, what pulled you into the world of genomics? Um, I was actually very lucky. So um, in about the 2010 timeframe, I was... I spent my entire life in early stage technology and um, I was invited down to San Diego to, to advise a company on their marketing and they were doing early stage science and it turned out that they were a bioinformatics company and when I walked through the door I didn't even know who Illumina was even though Illumina was literally located like five miles away but one thing led to the other there and I ended up as their VP of BD and it turned out to be a big break because I realized that Genomics was the next big thing. I really think that this is like the biggest thing that's come along since the web. So th that company was successfully acquired by a South Korean company. And then um, incredibly, I went on to be uh, one of the people that organized a company that would do the very first uh, application of commercial quantum computing to genomics. and. That's in the 2013, 2014 timeframe when quantum computing was not widely accepted. So it was very, very interesting and very early. And, um, and that company is still thriving as more of a science project. It's just a research project this is time, but they're in Janssen Labs in San Diego. Yeah. Um, but then I went on to, to do what I thought was a relatively obvious thing is as the price of sequencing continued to plunge I went on to be one of the first sort of direct-to-consumer whole genome sequencing service providers. And we started with early adopters and uh, we're very excited about the long-term potential. And so the first time you got into genomics was in 2004 or five or six? It was about, about, the, about the 2010 timeframe, if I remember correctly. So not quite as long as you. You're the, I think, the the so, biggest veteran in the business, yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so from two thousand and ten to now, I think you know, it's, genomics has seen a lot of changes, right? And and in your and you've been at the heart of you know you you're right where the action is really uh, in in San Diego. Uh, so, how did you uh, how have you seen this whole field evolve uh, over the last uh, twelve years or so? I I think. Probably not dissimilar to you. Early on, it was really a research application. And then the objective was to start getting broader adoption in clinical applications for precision medicine. And I think that's been a much slower process than was that people initially thought. So, but when we started our company, we wanted to, to leap ahead to consumer. So in the United States, genetic testing was very well established, but we thought that the, the price was close enough where we could start whole genome sequencing for consumer. And 
the, the, it turned out that the market was concierge medicine or private medicine. So high net worth individuals interested in longevity defined as quality of life. So that you could sustain a business on that market. But now I think as the price continues to fall, that self-insured employer early adopters is now a possibility. And the reason being is that they have such a big pain point with healthcare costs. I think they're look at, look interested in looking at innovative solutions, even though they're, they'll still be a little bit pricey for a while. So, I, I mean, I guess there's a difference in terms of how uh, U.S. healthcare is, you know, you, you have a lot of insurance compared to India, where a, a large majority is still paid by the consumer themselves. But I guess I, insurance is also changing both in, in India and in the U.S., and, and I think healthcare cost will bite somebody or the other, right? I mean, both insurers as well as employers, unless they start taking care of their own health. So that's a really good question. So in the United States, if, if you have 500 or more employees, you probably become self-insured where you're quite literally covering your costs yourself. So, and... And to put that and why that's a big issue is that you're if you're a CEO, there's a very good chance your second biggest line item after payroll is healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. So you've got this big line item, the problem's getting worse. You don't really have any hardcore solutions. You know, like Fitbit and yoga classes isn't really like a solution. It's so the exciting things about genomics is that. It's the initial catalyst and ongoing baseline for a long-term precision wellness roadmap, with the assumption being that most diseases are actually preventable. So over the long term, you could you could literally take a significant chunk out of healthcare costs with a what we refer to as a precision wellness strategy. So as a consumer-facing company, we're much more interested in the future, which we define as precision wellness as opposed to the past, which would be precision medicine. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've always believed that, you know, it is easier to to prevent uh, if you do it at the right time, right? I mean, and, and then if you can prevent and you, you focus on wellness, the chances of you living a, a much more uh, fulfilled life will be higher. And, you know, you can always extend life, but whether you're extending it you know, with the right strategies becomes a, becomes a real problem if you don't have all the tools in your hand, right? I mean, and genomics is is definitely an area that allows all of us to be able to get access to information which earlier we did not have. Yeah, I completely agree. So we're, we're really excited about what the precision wellness opportunity and we see genomics as just the initial catalyst and ongoing baseline sort of a simple way of looking at it is what you're predisposed to, then we could start to integrate lifestyle and IOT data, which you're actually doing about it with all your tracking devices. And then the third big category over the short term, I would describe as environmental, you know, how you're impacted by where you live. And, and I, I see that as sort of the th three initial silos for a long-term precision wellness strategy. Yeah, I think recently uh, we've started to add uh, both we were always looking at adding the lifestyle, but we started adding also the whole blood test data as wow. well. It, it, uh, we felt that that would allow us to be able to get more concrete clinical information as well, because sometimes people don't know enough about you know 
where they are in terms of their own health. They might not know that their sugar level is is high enough to be considered I mean to be considered as diabetic. So I think we felt that somewhere because it's relatively easy to be able to do that at home these days or or to be right. able to send someone to coming easier, yeah. Yeah. It becomes easier to be able to do that. Um, one of the other interesting things I noticed on your website was something called as the genomics as a service. Now, I remember in Osimum when we were uh, we were trying to put this whole pieces of uh, you know research for for pharma companies together. I remember coming up with RAS, which is research as a service. So I, I was fascinated by the whole genomics as a service model. Uh, are you the first company to use? that term or is that uh, how did you come up with that i don't know <laughs> that's a good question so as a service was such a trendy phrase in the technology in california for so it 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 it's not much creativity there whether we came up with it or someone else did but the the idea is that we would sequence you once put your genome in the cloud and then it would be available in perpetuity for you to run analysis and reporting applications against it. So that, that's the idea is that we're, we simply want to get your genome in the cloud and then partner on analysis reporting with best practice companies. So I guess, you know, you're, uh, you're one of the earliest adopters of whole genome sequencing for consumers, right? And I know that, you know, while we do, you know, at Map My Genome, we have whole genome sequencing, it becomes hard to actually sell this as a service, at least in India at this point of time, right? Because of the cost. So do you think that it is already ready for prime time in, in the US and, and maybe hopefully soon in, in, in India as well? Or you think that uh, you know genotyping still has a significant part of that, that market? I think it's still early, just to be completely frank with you. So we're really looking for self-insured employers that are visionaries that want to start with smaller projects as opposed to employee rollouts, like essentially sequencing their executives. And these would be glorified concierge medicine engagements because they can they can rationalize the cost for their executives. But our thinking is that we get them interested in the idea, show them the benefits. And then as the, the price of sequencing continues to plunge, then that you know there's opportunities to do their employers. So, and the kind of and I'd love your opinion on this as well. So, in terms of the actual utility value and actionable uh, information, I really see it as sort of pharmacogenomics. You could definitely get actionability out of today. Um, cardio cancer, ACMG, maybe maybe not. Polygenic risk score, maybe maybe not. So. You know, we want to be frank with the early adopters that we that we that we will give you actionable information through PGX partners, but we, it's about managing expectations for the short term. Yeah, I mean, I keep telling people that you know we can genomics is one part of the puzzle. It doesn't mean that it's not a diagnosis when you say when you look at a polygenic. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but and on that point, these are screening tests. These are not clinical diagnostic tests, yeah. And, and like you mentioned also that there is uh, there is the whole variable data, there is information that you get about the environment and many other parts of, you know, where, where you might, you know, your diet and everything else is what also determines uh, yeah. all your cardiovascular diseases and, and, um, 
and diabetes and so on. So I think you know that's one of the expectation that that we all need to be able to actually communicate to the to the end uh, end user or or the customers. So how easy do you think it has been for you to be able to create or create or uh, communicate? And and how do you think that whole messaging for science will be has been you know needs to be changed to be able to move from where we were from one size fits all to precision medicine to to what you termed as physician wellness? Um, it's, it's been a challenge, but fortunately we have the experience from the concierge medicine space where you got to a, a couple of visionary MDs or market influencers, and then they became very good at communicating the message. So the, um, we worked a lot with the, the, the primary media companies in the concierge medicine space early on. But that's where, we, where we're going to have to get with self-insured employers. We're going to have to get to visionary CEOs because this, this is, as you described, as a concept cell. They've never heard of this before and they have you know, no idea. And, but on the, the positive side, they're open to the possibility of listening because they've got a big pain point, healthcare costs with no solutions. But we do have to get to visionaries. We want to start small, manage expectations. We position the early projects as pilots as opposed to selling a product. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we try to capture their imagination about the possibilities of setting them up for the future where, you know, this is not a platform play. This is not a data grab. We're just providing this service. And we hope that it, it's in a fashion where everything's open and they can start integrating, you know, multiomic lifestyle IoT, environmental. So we I really think there's an incredibly exciting 10-year future and we, we have to get them excited about that as a possibility. And, and uh, I know that, you know, many times that uh, when uh, we speak to uh, medical professionals or to the consumer, I think each of that communication is going to be slightly different. But at least in, in our, um, you know, experience, we found that, you know, the simpler we made it, uh, the better it was, uh, you know, make it actionable, but make it simple to understand. Because I think that becomes, you know, sometimes when we are um, doing science, we forget that the end customer is going to be somebody who is might not have had as much uh, exposure to, you know, all your uh, complicated, uh, you know, markers or or many other things. So do you think that, you know, if you can simplify and make it for, for um, you know, is it different for doctors versus um, an average consumer? Uh, because you, you're obviously reaching out to consumers, but I'm sure that there are medical professionals involved in that whole process. What is your- Yeah, I would say it's completely different. So the, the, the MD tends to be interested in actionability, like, is this going to be useful to me? And clearly like PGX would be. And then we can't disrupt their day. We, we can probably similar to India, the MDs essentially do not have any incremental time. So it's got to be incredibly easy for them to use. And then the consumer, there's a lot of, especially in the United States, there's a lot of concern about privacy and security. So we just, it's described here as the Facebook effect after, um, where people suddenly became very concerned about who owns and controls their data. And that, you know, significantly impacted 23andMe's consumer sales. And 
And that's and I and I would like to suggest that's going to be magnified as we enter this sort of Web three environment, Web three slash metaverse, or and as as Web three is being defined as read, write, own, where the expectation is that you quite literally own your data. So that's a step farther than just privacy and security. So it's it's definitely different conversations and as well as a fluid conversation. So just for uh, for our, you know people who are watching the show you know you mentioned you mentioned a lot of new things for people like federated data uh, or uh, metaverse uh, in this in this whole space of genomics can you just you know maybe explain uh, what each of this is in simple language sure so again we're you know um the way I like to start the explanation is back in the day, the web did not come along to make Microsoft, Cisco, and Intel better. The traditional IT business, it came along to do a new thing starting from nothing. So I, the, the genomics is going to be incredibly valuable to medicine, delivering on precision medicine, but facing in the other direction, the future, something I, I know you're also interested, I think precision wellness is going to be a brand new massive economy. And like the web, we're starting from scratch. We often forget that when the web started, we're starting from nothing. So what does that look like over the long term? So th the first big step, I think, is um, precision wellness, getting people open to the possibility that there's evidence-based science approaches to preventing disease that are accessible to the consumer now. And then... The, and But then the realities of integrating into the future. So our next big step is that we would like to offer federated data. So you could talk to Microsoft or Amazon today, and they've got federated learning solutions where they get a consortium of hospital systems together, come to agreements around, you know, sharing data, using data. But I think for a consumer application, we're going we're gonna to need truly federated data where to get over these concerns about privacy and security where a news data resides in the cloud and is truly federated, it never actually moves. So that the, the algorithms from the analysis reporting partners would come in on the blockchain or some other capability, hit the data, get their results, back out with the results, but not back out with the actual data. So, and, and there's standards bodies working on that, but there's also some out of box solutions in other industries that we can, we believe that we can integrate and leverage the work, the hard one work that's been done in other industries around federated data. And then this is the moonshot. Should I, I'll talk about, is it okay to talk about uh, Web3 and Metaverse? Sure, absolutely. So it, I don't really think it's as complicated as it sounds, but the LA 28 Summer Olympics are here in Los Angeles. So six years from now. So we think it's not, too hard for us to evolve the low utility avatar in the metaverse into a high utility digital twin by that time. And, and it's if you think about it, it's if we're federating a news genomic and multiomic data, then her lifestyle and IoT data, and then her environmental data, and we're pointing it to the to the avatar in the in the metaverse starting with just simple genomic for example and just your vcf the two gigs the one percent of you that's unique so we point it to 
to the avatar that's not dissimilar to where they tr tr traditionally created NFTs. The metadata sits on the blockchain and it points, the data doesn't actually move. So we start there, we, and then we start pointing lifestyle, we start pointing environmental, and this avatar slowly evolves into a digital twin. So we have no interest in the outside. That's Silicon Valley, Meta, and Hollywood's problem. But we would like to start recreating a new in the metaverse from the inside. And suddenly you've got this digital twin that has increasing amounts of utility value. So to serve you in, in your precision wellness roadmap. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. So basically, I think you know, just to summarize, federated data, the data resides uh, in one place. You're, you're basically getting it from different parts when you do have partners or, or others. But they only get back the part that they need to get back in terms of analysis. Yeah. So, so for example, map my genome would... I would I'd love to see a world where the genome is federated in the cloud. Map my genome is really interested in the 1% of the person that's unique, the VCF. I would love to be able to make that available to map my genome. And they could run any of their analysis reports against that data as opposed to sending out another collection kit. And then and and you your your you back, you go in, you do your thing, you get your information that you use for your reports, but you're not actually pulling data out or removing the data. So I, I think it's a real win-win if we could open up the world where Map My Genome and you know and any other company, and it would be the individual or the employer's choice. So it's as opposed to showing up with a proprietary list of tests, you make a, a whole portfolio of labs available to them analysis reporting partners yeah because i think you know it doesn't make sense to be constantly creating the same data because your 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 germline data is not really changing right yeah so and, and just do it once and then analyze it as many times yeah exactly well. and yeah and then and and you we so the, the data that's really interesting is what map my genome produces so the individual would like literally engage you as a as a customer, there'd be, you know, no friction. So it and the the advantages to a company like Map My Genome would be incremental customers without any acquisition costs. Number one, and no no sending out spit kits and blah blah blah. And obviously, there's some complications in there. There's workflow. This is regulated. You have to do everything right. You have to agree on data quality. But we've already done a beta, so we know we can do this. And the um, and I think it's it's pointing to the future. So and, and the metaverse, you know, we'll get to a point where we'll all start living in a reality of seeing what is what's going on with our health really, you know, in terms of you know, when we put all these data points together. And I think, you know, when we are doing this in Map My Genome, one of the things was, you know, how do we connect these dots? But I think if you can visualize it also, I think it becomes a lot easier for for us to be living you know in some ways a virtual world of you know our own health uh, and i think that will be fascinating As so why that your point is so important if you don't mind me interjecting so if, if looking back again so the web came along and suddenly the whole world needed this new thing called web pages 
The smartphone came along and suddenly the whole world needed this new thing called apps. So the genomes come along, suddenly the whole world needs this new thing called. So we're not sure what it is, but we are sure that it's a new thing. So that's why we're not doing a platform play. We're not, we're not looking to the past. We think that there's gonna be a new kind of UI that's gonna be required for this new thing. And common sense would indicate to me that that would be the digital twin in the metaverse. And exactly as you just described, a place where Anu can aggregate all her, you know, environmental lifestyle, multiomic, and data sets we cannot even imagine to an increasingly useful digital twin version of her. And again, this is just pointing and, and there's obviously some technical complications in there, but conceptually, this is not that complicated. Small conservative steps. So we're really interested in the idea of, through partnerships, we're always just gonna be doing basic whole genome sequencing, but through partnerships, which we've been working on hard, we would really like to deliver on that vision by LA28. And so we're particularly excited about the possibility of working with athletic company or nutrition brands, or because they're, they're gonna be sort of the first precision um, product personalization opportunities, you know, and, it, and it's an inc incredible PR opportunity for them. So, so in your opinion, do you think it is um, from a consumer point of view, since you've been working with, the, with, with, with corporates and other uh, consumers, um, do you think that the interest is more in nutrigenomics um, or um, just wellness genomics or pharmacogenomics, not, not the physician, but the consumer, or is it uh, on uh, actually like a health risk understanding of their, their health risks. So a, another great question. So I would say from the, the employer's perspective, the, the, they're probably the most interested in PGX because there's a potential ROI there and it just shows them a long-term path. But the consumer I would suggest is really interested in nutrition, personalized nutrition. And it's, it, it, and, I, I mentioned I was at the health conference last week and I had a good conversation with one of the leaders in the space. And, and you know, we basically agreed that it's still too early, <laughs> you know? So you, you, you're a very serious scientist. So you do, and Map My Genome is a very credible company. You don't go out and make all these crazy marketing claims. So, and, and you could jump on the web today and probably find all kinds of claims out there. But the reality is it's still pretty early. So, but I would, I really hope that within the next couple of years, we can deliver on a precision, um, excuse me, a personalized nutrition application. And interestingly enough, it would be the same formula. You know, there's, there's one really good um, uh, personalized nutrition company here in the United States. And it, it would be, and I already had the conversation with the CEO in the future, at one point, would you be willing to take a, a leverage of ECF as opposed to sending out another kid. And it just makes total business sense to them. So the same way that we would could partner with the Map My Genome, we could partner with the nutrition and then it never stops. All these new use cases comes and it's just data. So it's, it's again, I'm really excited about the long-term future and we're just doing the heavy lifting. So if, if 
you have anything else? Otherwise, I'm going to move to the rapid fire first round. You... No, nope, those are the two big ones. The, <laughs> okay. the, the, the federated data and the vision for the metaverse. But, but go ahead. Okay. So, so in this, um, I don't have too many too many questions for you. But let's, um, you know, I I know that you read books. So, which is your favorite genomics book? Probably the one that everyone says on your show that the gene by is it Siddhartha Gupta? Yeah. Am I slaughtering his name? But I, I just I I I hear his podcasts when he's a guest on people's show. It's it, it's just I I don't know how when that guy sleeps, but he's uh, got three big jobs and he puts out these great books. And I guess that one won the Pulitzer Prize, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, and and uh, if you were not, I know you you started from IT and moved to genomics, but. Uh, other than these two, if you were to, you know, if you were going to pursue a career that that you would, you know, maybe have done otherwise, alternate career, what would that have been? Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, because <laughs> why this opportunity is so exciting, and I, I firmly believe this, and in your generation and my generation, the web changed our relationship with reality, you know, with data. And I think the next generation, starting with the genome, it's going to change people's relationship with their personal biology. They're going to have one for the. So I see. I quite literally see this as an another web size opportunity. You know, in a, an incredible ten year run where we can't even imagine what's in front of us in terms of data sets that we're going to be integrating. So it seems it has that sort from a innovation or early stage tech or a science perspective, it has that sort of center of the universe feel to it. So I just can't imagine like giving up that opportunity. And and since you were talking about sleep and people not, uh, Siddharth, I mean, uh, him not having time, are you a morning person or an evening person? When do you uh, I would have to say morning person, okay. yeah. All right. Um, all right. Any, any um, let me think about it, something else. Um, which was your worst subject in school? My my worst topic in school? Um, stati yeah. Statistics. It was brutal. And now you're doing a lot of that. With, you know, with I, I'm, I'm turning to people like you to do a lot of it. <laughs> we just put raw data to the cloud. We turn to the really smart people like you to do the analysis and the reporting. All right. Great. So um, I think that was that was great. It was uh, absolutely fascinating. And if um, if there's anything else that you would like to say, um, you know, about the future of genomics or or where you've already touched upon a lot of the topics like quantum computing, metaverse, federated uh, data, and so on. So I think you've been at the cutting edge. You've been constantly thinking about where this whole field is going to go. Go and and I think you know. Uh, we all can start seeing that it is certainly heading in the, in that direction. So, you know, we should continue to keep on telling, you know, what, what is what possibilities are out there. And uh, I think we will get there uh, so, soon enough. So thank, thank you very much. And if you have anything else to add, please do. No, the only th other thing I'd add is I want to see Map My Genome go global. <laughs> we'll do. You're, you're one of the great companies out there, and I want to see you guys go global. Thank, thank you so much. Hopefully, I'll see you soon in uh, in January. Um, sure.
All right, thank you, and uh, let me stop recording. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on your show.